Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,181. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's so common for people to get in their own way. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Trevor Huskins. Hey, Trevor, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am buckled up with the four-point harnesses and ready to go. Ready to go. There you go. Trevor Huskins is the owner of WFO Concepts located in Auburn, California. He and his talented team are custom automotive fabricators who work on everything from Harleys to hot rods, street trucks, and off-road vehicles. They also design and build a variety of custom components, including suspension parts, frames, axles, and suspensions. You name it. They have an in-house machine shop, CNC plasma cutter, water jet, and powder coating. WFO also sells a wide variety of off-road parts for trucks and Jeeps. Their focus is high-quality, professional-looking products that fit their customers' needs and perform above expectations. Trevor's been in business since 2003. So Trevor, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little more about your business and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Well, I am 41 years old and I started this business 15 years ago. Uh, WFO Concepts started as a uh, four-wheel drive business building Jeeps and trucks and it's moved forward in the direction of other things such as our differential shop building hot rod rear ends. Uh, we have a CNC plasma cutter, two seats of SolidWorks, do a lot of computer design. We produce a product line, like you said, uh, that we sell all different avenues. And we have 16 employees, and we work really hard and produce really cool vehicles and parts here in California. One thing you did mention is that you said that we had a CNC water jet and powder coat, and we don't have it in-house, but we work real close with people that do have those types of equipment. There you go. Cool. You guys build a lot of really cool things. And I know you're a guy who likes to get out, especially do a lot of rock crawling and racing and get in the dirt and have some fun. So as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your success. It's a nice way to get that inspiration or those inspirational tires, I should say, turning here on cars. Yeah. So Trevor, take the wheel. Most car guys feel like they need to be modifying or changing stuff all the time. And my favorite quote that I tell customers is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's so common for people to get in their own way. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Well, how have you incorporated that concept into your own business and your own life? Well, when somebody comes in uh, with a vehicle or a project and they kind of line out what they want us to do, uh, the first thing I do is look at that list and say, well, I don't think you should do this. I don't think you should do this. I don't think you should do this. And I explain to them why. And then Mm -hmm. we circle back around and I tell them what I think they should do. Well, it's a great way to run business because most people would say, well, just do everything they say. You just make more money. But it sounds like to me that mantra is something that's really good for your customer because I think you're right. Sometimes people do get in their own way and they want to start doing all this stuff and they don't realize because they don't have the history that you have what kind of trouble it can get him him into or the waste that goes into it or the problems it create down the road. 
for those folks. So I think that's that's really awesome way to run your business. Is there anything traditional or typical, I should say, with what people tend to think they want, but they really don't need? Oh, man. A couple of the good ones are uh, a guy will come in and say, I need disc brakes on the rear of this, this Jeep truck, whatever, hot rod. Mm-hmm. And uh, just because you have disc brakes doesn't mean that the brakes are going to stop you any better. There's a lot of upstream mm-hmm. issues that come into play, such as master cylinders, proportioning valves, things of that nature. And if you upgrade just the rear, you have to upgrade the front because there's a bias between the two of them. The other thing is you lose your e-brake most of the time. And and if the car is functional, you need a functional e-brake. I kind of offend the people at the beginning when I say, no, I, I don't want to do this. And this is why. If they understand that and say they still want to do it, then more power to them. I'll, I'll let anybody pay me do, to do whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. I think the key word you also used there was the word why. I love the word why, because a lot of people don't take the time to figure out their own why, much less in their own life. But when it comes to projects, why do you really want to do this? And I think sometimes people will look at other people's builds and what other people are doing, or they're listening too much to other people and say, oh, you need this, you need this. Yeah, stopping and asking why. I think that's the greatest question you can ask your customers when they come into your shop. Brilliant. I love it. Well, let's go back in time a little bit here, Trevor. I think you sounds like to me you've been a bit of a car guy for a long time. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were going to be a car guy? Well, you know, my dad never was a car guy. He uh, commonly drove his cars 80, 90,000 miles without changing the oil. So uh, <laughs> de- definitely wasn't from him. Uh, when I was 15 years old, my mother's friend drove into our driveway in a 67 four-door Chevelle. And I mean, this was Mm. a grandma's car. It literally was her grandmother's car. And when Mm -hmm. she drove up, I saw the grill and the headlights and just that look of the 67, but very distinct just for the 67. And uh, I ended up buying that car for $800. And that was my first car. And I think that's when it all started. I, I got the Summit magazine and before I was 16, it had a four barrel intake and a four barrel carburetor and headers and dual exhaust. And I did what what every car guy does. I accessorized immediately. 67 was a cool year. My first car was a 67 Chevy Nova. Very much. Now, you think Nova, cool car, but mine was a four-door. It was a grandma's car as well. In fact, when I got it, it still had those plastic seat covers on it with the little nibbies that they had back in the 60s. And uh, But it was, a, it was a fine first car. It just wasn't very cool. But, uh, it you know, if you could just look at it from the front on, Kind of like the Chevelle. I think the Chevelle was cooler, of course, but a uh, bigger car as well. But Well, the 67, even in the Nova, you know, you look at the front, you look at the back, they're exactly the same as the two-door. Just don't look from the side. I know. I know. Why well, had surf rack, so I was a little bit cool, you know, just a, just a did, little bit. Did you but... have a bench seat in the front as well? It was a bench seat, yeah, which was fine for taking girlfriends, you know, out on drives for ice cream or the movies. So uh, that was okay. They could slide on over, but... uh yeah, I went on to get a 67 Carmen Ghia about a year later. That was my poor man's Porsche. So I I felt a lot cooler in that car. Well, you can't fit as many friends in the Carmen Ghia. I could uh, comfortably fit eight people when we were in high school. And that, that four-door <laughs> yeah. became the, the fun car for everybody to ride in. Yeah, my Nova was that way, too, because we surfed. I lived close to the ocean down in Southern California. And I, I was a little older. Got my license before most of my friends because I was born in January. So, uh, yeah, I became the guy to get to know because I could put five, six surfers in that car, throw all the wetsuits in the back, stack all the boards on the top, and we could head down to the beach and have some fun. So 
Yeah, I understand. I sh- I share that uh, that same experience as you did. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure. You know, going into your business is fraught with ups and downs, challenges, trying to kind of maneuver your way through business. Uh, is there a, a moment or point in time when you kind of face one of these big challenges? Kind of walk us through that specifically and, and tell us what you learned from it so that you can come out on the end a little more positive. Well, uh, I started the business in 2003 and we just grew every year. When I first started the business, I thought, it was how hard you worked would equal how successful you are. Well, that is true to, to a point. In 2014, I had a problem come up that I wasn't really ready for. And that is we use QuickBooks as our accounting system. And when Windows 10 came out, QuickBooks couldn't handle it. And we back up every night and we ended up losing all of our backup. And our whole software system gone. All of our oh, customers, no. customers, oh, invoices, no. everything. Yes. Uh. And I mean, people were calling in. We couldn't even write an invoice and take money. We couldn't charge a credit card. We we were dead in the water. It cost me about fifty to sixty thousand dollars in clerical work to get back up and running. And it was yeah. actually the person that we called for help on QuickBooks that not only infected our files on the computer when we were trying to recover them. But then said, oh, let me go look into the saved files and infected those as well. And oh, so what, what, I learned, what I learned is that you need all the checks and balances in place. And, and behind every successful business is the correct software. And if you don't yeah. have the software to back it up, you're, you're worth nothing and, and you can't do work. You know, this is, is kind of one of those hidden things in business because no matter what you do, all the back end stuff is kind of just that stuff back. It's a back in that closet somewhere. The guy in the back there that does this stuff and, and not having systems backed up, uh, not having a fail safe, if you will. Uh, I worked for many, many years in a company where data files were so important because our gold was our customer base. We were a catalog company. We sold products to people all over the world via catalogs. And yeah, I just, every time I walk by that server closet, I just go, man, what if this failed? I mean, it would just, it would kill us. So what's, uh, you know, you kind of shared a little bit, but what's the big takeaway you would offer somebody who's going into business, maybe a young company, who doesn't have a lot of money to protect themselves from something like that? I mean, number one, it's backing up your, your computers every night. And there's, you know, companies like Carbonite and people like that that do that. And that's the most important thing. And now that we have, you know, quote, unquote, the cloud, everything, uh, most of the software systems are becoming cloud-based and they're they're stored in the cloud, which sort of scares me. I <laughs> yeah. still have my own server at the shop. I haven't, mm-hmm. you know, put this in place yet, but when I go to my next system, it will be cloud-based, but I still yeah. think I'm going to back it up on my own private server. Yeah, back it up, back it up, back it up. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's one of those things that you think, well, it's not going to ever happen to me. It will someday. Yeah, so uh, really take the time and spend a little money to hire some people. If that's not your forte, if IT and that kind of thing's not your forte, uh, to set you up so that uh, you're protected. And the other thing is sit down with them and learn a little bit about it as well. A lot of people just kind of ignore it. And then when it fails, they don't even know what to do. They don't know who to call. Great advice. Sorry that happened to you. That is painful. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there, even if it's a home computer that crashes or even your phone. I had a guy 
the other day on a Facebook friend of mine that uh, lost his phone. He said, I've lost, you know, 50,000 pictures. And I'm thinking, well, how come you didn't have them backed up? How could you just rely on your phone? That's a dangerous way to walk around every day because that phone, somebody could walk off with it. So great advice. Sorry you went through that, but uh, here's to the future. And boy, the future moves fast when it comes to IT. Let's shift gears and talk about a big career aha moment, a time when you said, ah, okay, this is a new path for our business to go down. I guess the aha moment was more uh, when I started the business mm-hmm. that got me going. So I graduated from Chico State University as a manufacturing technology student, and I was hired at a foundry down in the Bay Area. And the foundry that I worked at, we built rapid prototype aluminum parts for the automotive industry. So I was building engine blocks and cylinder heads for Ford and Chevy's racing departments and transmission housings and just unbelievable aluminum castings, really cool stuff for for the military, for General Dynamics, Motorola, Hewlett-Packard. And I worked there for approximately three years from 2000 to 2003. And when I I got that job, uh, I'd always been a car guy. 67 Chevelle, you know, that that was my car. And my uncle was one of the owners of the business and they gave me a 46 Willys Jeep as my signing bonus. And so all of a sudden, that's an interesting, I hear the first guy I've ever known that's gotten a cool Jeep as a signing bonus. It's awesome. Pretty cool. People go, what you, you hire on here and you got a Jeep. And uh, I I did, I didn't know much about four wheeling or Jeeps. I, I knew that my uncle and another uncle had Jeeps and uh, basically he had said, you know, I'm tired of going up four wheeling and I'm going to stay home and relax and here you can mm-hmm. have my Jeep. So as I'm working there, learning all the, the industry and the manufacturing, the foundry and castings, I'm learning how to work on this Jeep. And he told me, he said, well, there's this place called the Rubicon trail up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. And now that you have this Jeep, you know, go to the store, fill up your ice chest with a bunch of beer and steaks and pretty much nothing else. And uh, go drive over this Rubicon Trail. The Jeep will make it. So we loaded up the Jeep uh, with a cousin of mine, had a Jeep as well. And for the first time, I headed up there. If you haven't been or seen videos or pictures of the Rubicon Trail and you're a hot rod guy and you drive on the pavement, it's a rude awakening. And if you're going to break down, it's when. So immediately you break an axle shaft, your frame cracks, you know, something happens and you're five hours in the middle of nowhere and you got to figure out how to fix it. I did that for two years and had a great time. And then I would be fixing that Jeep in the corner of our 200 by 240,000 square foot building. And then other people had four wheel drives. I met other friends and they'd say, Hey, after work, can I bring my truck down there to get fixed? And can you build my yeah. Jeep? And cool. Eventually, it got to the point where I would work my regular eight-hour day, and I would hate it. And then, uh, or not hate it, it just you know wasn't super exciting. And then as soon right. as 4 o'clock came and everybody went home, I'd work till midnight on my Jeep or other people's Jeeps and trucks, and it was just fun. Having and fun, right, yeah. At, at that <laughs> moment, it went, you know what? You know, If I leave here, I'm going to start a business and start building Jeeps. And yeah, so this that, is, that, wow. That's what, what a- happened. <laughs> Well, that employer, little did he know, he was setting himself up for losing a very good employee by giving you that Jeep. But I think it's great. You know, your story is what 
Cars Yeah is all about people finding their passion and figuring out a way to create a living off of that, a life off of that. And that's exactly what happened. What a wonderful story. I love it. And 15 years later. You got to move out of the Bay Area if you have a Jeep. So that's why I ended up in Auburn. There you go. Yeah, up in the foothills there where it's real beautiful and the mountains are nearby. Awesome. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car. You talked about that Chevelle, uh, but is there a first car or first Jeep or off-road vehicle you got that was really special for you? Well, of course, that four-door car Chevelle was really cool. And when you have eight friends in the car, you do stupid things. So I I did wreck it on the way to the baseball game. So I had to replace and the first special car was the replacement car. And of course, I didn't buy one with four doors. So I found a Project 67 Chevelle two-door Malibu. And since they're vastly the same car, I was able to take all the parts off the four-door and put it on the two-door. So I changed the motor nice. over, the hood, the trunk lid, the bumpers, because uh, the, the two-door was a basket case. So that two-door Chevelle, I ended up building from the ground up. You know, disc brakes, uh, already had power steering. I did a 410 Posi rear end, turbo 400 transmission, 327 with the Fuley head. And my uncle Mike, who also was the part owner of that business I ended up working for, he came up and showed me how to do body work. And we even painted that car at my house in the garage when I was in high school. So that is definitely nice. my first special car. Yeah, that's very cool. Very cool. Got your hands dirty and look at where it led you to. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned and let go that you really wish you had back? Well, of course, that two-door Chevelle, you're going to have remorse. I sold it for (laughs) $4,000 when I needed beer money at Chico, but uh, that's not really the biggest one. The biggest one is the the 46 Willys Jeep that I was given as as my Uh signing bonus that actually got me in the business. I was young and didn't know any better, and I didn't sell it, but I took it apart because I thought that I could make it different. The whole circle's back. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It was <laughs> there not, you go. It wasn't broke. It was a really cool Jeep, but I thought I needed to modify it, and I never asked yeah. myself why. It had an odd fire Buick V6 with a T98 four-speed transmission with Granny Low and a worn overdrive and manual steering still, and fender well headers, and glass packs, and uh, original mag wheels. It was just period correct, you know, maybe 70s, 80s build Mm -hmm. uh, that I wish I had it exactly the same as it was in my garage for my wife to drive or for me to take the kids to baseball, just the way it was. Well, I've heard a lot of these sellers or more stories over the the last four and a half years, so uh, you're not alone, my friend. Well, let's talk about what has you excited and fired up about the coming new year at WFO Concepts. Let our our listeners know, uh, if they came to visit you, what would they see? What could they expect? What are all the different kind of cool things you can do for people? Well, we do any kind of customizing you can imagine as far as engine swaps, custom building chassis, suspensions, stuff like that, mostly aimed towards the four-wheel drive world. But right now, we just released a new product line, which is our 2011 to 2018 GM solid axle swap kit. So we take a brand new GM truck. Mine is a, the one I just did that I own is a 2018 2500 HD diesel GMC. I, as soon as I bought it, 600 miles, we put it up on a rack 
and we cut the front suspension completely out, the differential, everything. They, they come with independent front suspension. And we cut all that out and we develop a kit or we have developed a kit that replaces that front suspension with a live front axle, a solid front axle. So you're kind of going backwards a little bit. This was probably the first kit that we designed and we've been selling since 2003 for all the different GM trucks. And this new kit took a long time to develop because of all the electronics in the new trucks. But that kit is what we're manufacturing right now and selling on that side of the business. So that product is really cool and innovative. And, you know, it's doing very well for us. It's fun to see somebody cut up a brand new truck as well. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I kind of cringed a little bit. But now that you explained the benefits of it, okay, all right. I think I might let you do that. The other thing is that's more of our production parts and things that we're working on. But as far as the custom vehicles, we usually have one to two big builds going all the time. You know, taking a brand new Jeep and putting an LS3 in it or rebuilding an old 80s CJ and putting an LS motor in it. And we have a differential shop. We custom build one-ton axles. So we build all of our axles from scratch in the Jeeps we're building. And one cool Jeep that we have in there right now is an 84 Jeep Scrambler. Do you know what the Scramblers are? I do, yeah. Those are cool. Yeah, so if anybody doesn't know what that is, that is the pickup version of the Jeep CJ, and they were called a CJ8 Scrambler. Yeah, And this this particular Scrambler we're building, they've kind of become collector's items like the early Broncos. And this particular Scrambler we're building, we basically did a chassis from scratch. We took a 2000 and three Ford F-350 front axle and cut it down, narrowed it, put new outers on it and built it up for the front. And then the rear end is a 2003 GM 2500 HD rear axle that we cut down, re-geared, put locking differentials in. And then we custom designed a three-link front suspension and a triangulated four-link rear suspension with coilover shocks. But the coolest thing about this project we're working on is the outer shell it's still going to look just all original, like the original Jeep CJ8, nice. but yeah. the engine is the trick. This has a three liter imported V6 turbo diesel that we're putting in. And basically the engine that we're putting in is the engine that comes in the new Dodge 1500s. It's a 630T. 630T it has 268 horsepower, 421 foot-pounds of torque, and it's Lots coupled of up torque to, for off-road. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of torque, and it's coupled up to a 6L90E transmission from a newer Camaro and the brand new custom-built transfer case. So this Jeep very will cool. definitely be one-off vehicle. Yeah, something very special. Awesome. I'll remind our listeners you can go to WFO Concepts website. I'll put a link to it on Trevor's show notes page on the Cars Yow website to check out some of the things they do. they got some neat videos there. You can see products they sell, all sorts of information about WFO Concept. Very cool. Sounds like 2019 is going to be another stellar year for you and your team. Here's a very introspective question for you, Trevor. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you were a car or a truck or a Jeep or whatever parked in the corner of a garage, what would you be and why? Well, first off, I would be a vehicle pre-electronic. So not fuel injected, no computers, but I would choose something that actually does work like a Peterbilt truck or a Pierce fire truck or a Mack dump truck. And of course, obviously the Willys Jeep would be a cool option too. Yeah. Yeah. Fully analog. 
Trevor is an analog guy. So that's cool. I love we, we, it. We are very innovative with technology and you know that Jeep we're building right now with the computer controlled diesel and the computer controlled transmission, separate systems. It's we're there a hundred percent, but I'm not saying it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it adds a lot of complexity, that's for sure. Well, Trevor, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, Trevor, we are back. We're entering the last lap, or in your case, the last crawl up the hill or over the rocks. This is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? When you're purchasing a vehicle or a project, every dollar spent up front, you gain three times in the end. So if you spend an extra ten thousand dollars, you're going to save yourself thirty thousand dollars in the build or, or you know, in in the long run. Yeah, great advice. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? One of my personal habits that I think has contributed to my success would be that I treat everybody the same. If I have a high-profile customer that comes in and I know they're a millionaire or have all the money in the world to do the project, I treat them the same way as the high school kid that comes in with a pocket full of dollars. I think that's got me a long way in life. Absolutely. Yeah, treat everybody with kindness and fairness and uh, treat them all the same. Absolutely. Now, do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy that you personally use and enjoy? Well, a new resource that we've been using that I really, really enjoy, we do all of our product design in SolidWorks and on the computer. After becoming a member of SEMA, 
uh, we have the access to all the CAD drawings from Ford and Jeep and, you know, all these major motor companies. And it sure makes it easy to design parts when you can download their frame and have the location oh, yeah. of all the bolt holes and dimensions. Uh, I think a lot of builders don't understand that, you know, for a small dollar amount, you, you get a lot out of that. SEMA is a spectacular organization. I've uh, been to SEMA show 30 years in a row now. This year just didn't fail to uh, to impress me with how things have grown there. The industry is just so massive. Had Wade Kawasaki, who's the director of SEMA on the show a couple of years ago. Awesome guy. Great group. Yeah, if you have an automotive business, you should join SEMA and be a part of that organization. There are so many cool benefits. Not just about the show. There's so much more. And they do a lot of lobbying. They do a lot of political work to try to help the automotive industry when we see any kind of legislation coming down that could hurt businesses and so forth. So check out SEMA.com. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? It wouldn't be anything in the, anybody in the direct automotive industry, but uh, my Uncle Mike, who helped me paint my Chevelle who was the co-owner of the business I originally worked for and who gave me my Jeep. I'd like to sit down with him and he had a very successful company and I'd like to have him look at my company and tell me what, what he thinks. Cause when I first said I wanted to do it, he told me I was crazy. A lot of work. It's really hard, but, uh, well, I think he'd be very proud of you. Have you lost him? Is he no longer with us? We have, we have lost him. Yes, we have. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, yeah, that would be great. I'm sure he would be very proud of what you built, Trevor, and probably raise his eyebrows going, wow, this is pretty impressive. But I'm sure he could offer you a lot of great advice as well as a great mentor. So nice memories there. Well, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy reading as well? This is kind of funny because it definitely is a book, but it might not be the type of book you're asking me about. But there's a book that I touch at least three times a week. and if anybody has tools in their garage, they work on projects, they have hot rods, they have an off-road car, the McMaster car book is my favorite book. Mm. If you if you want to get a pancake cake skillet, if you want to get a piece of material to build a nice knife blade, anything you want is in that McMaster book and comes the next day. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great go-to, that's for sure. Very nice. I've had a few people mention that as well. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find all these great resources Trevor shared on his own personal page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Trevor Huskins. I'm going to spell his last name for you. It's rather unique. H-U-I-S-K-E-N-S, H-U-I-S-K-E-N-S, Huskins. And you'll find all the links listed right there. All right, Trevor, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car, truck, whatever it is to park in your garage, but there's a couple rules to this game. Number one is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. Number two, you have to take it out and drive it and enjoy it. No garage queens, but I don't think that's a problem for you. I think you're a guy that likes to get out there and enjoy his vehicles. But here's the real doozy part of it. It's the only one you can have. It's the one toy you can have in your garage. So what's it going to be? Well, it kind of circles back to my Uncle Mike, who's no longer around. He always told me about the one unicorn car that he owned that was stolen. Mm-hmm. And that's the car I would want. And it's sort of a combo deal. So this car, I'm sure you're very familiar with it. This would be a 66 Corvette with the 427. And his was a convertible, red. And it had the L72 engine option, I believe, which is 425 horsepower. 
and the yeah. Rock Crusher four speed. That yeah. car was stolen before I got to see it. But the best part about it is he custom built a flat bottom V drive and put <laughs> another L72 427 engine in that boat. And he, he built it himself in his grandmother's garage. And he would tow the boat to Lake Berryessa or out to the Delta behind the Corvette. And I want the package. I want the car and the boat. So the boat was powered by the same kind of power plant as the Corvette. Is that what you're telling me? In fact, the story is, is he bought the car. It's a 66. He bought it in 67 from a guy in Marin. And they drove it back into uh, El Cerrito. And the engine was kind of missing and running weird. And he heard that a, a buddy had a crate engine. Back then, you could go to GM and buy a crate 427, same motor, for less than a thousand bucks. He yeah. heard a guy in San Leandro had a crate engine, uh, the same exact engine. And so he went to San Leandro to buy that engine and ended up putting that engine in the Corvette. And then he had the engine that came out of the Corvette that just had a lifter problem. And he said, Well, I need to put this in something. And he built the boat to put the engine in it. So, If anybody has that car now, it's not numbers matching because the original engine came out and went in his boat. Into a boat. Interesting. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's probably one of the more unique answers to that question. Yeah, now I got to buy you a boat, too. Holy cow. Well, the rumor is that that boat could get three extremely overweight guys out of the water on a single ski immediately. Wow. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, you got to buy I like it. I need the car okay. and the boat. And the boat. Okay. Well, I think I can do that for you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm sure you can fabricate a trailer hitch that that helps uh, tow well, that sure thing. I'm sure the that hitch is still on the car. So whoever yeah, bought that so. car, the hitch might be on there still. Oh, gosh. Well, you'd think with uh, VIN numbers and things, you could track it somehow. But I'm sure that was all scraped off and changed. Who knows? Well, I mean, I mean, it was stolen in 1969. So, uh, And I think he kind of gave up on that. You know, they're... We do have the whole numbers of the boat, and there probably aren't very many 66 convertibles out there anymore, so it might be worth starting a little search, but I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it. Well, I would have um, no more pleasure than to uh, show up on your doorstep uh, with that car and that trailer and that boat. That sounds pretty darn cool. What color was the car? The car was red, and the boat was a silver uh, with exposed, you know, lacquer mahogany on the top. Yeah, nice. Sounds spectacular. That sounds like fun. Well, I'll have fun. We'll deliver it up there. I'm sure there's some lakes up in your area there that you could take me to and take me for a boat ride in that thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'll bet. Sounds like fun. Well, Trevor, you've taken me on a great ride today. This has been really fun. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. I'll let our listeners know that uh, Trevor and I are up early on a Sunday morning here doing this show. He's a great, he's so busy. He said, hey, is there any way we could do this at 730 on a Sunday morning? I said, yeah. Absolutely, where it's quiet in the shop and we could get our uh, our show done. So thank you for uh, taking some time out of your uh, Sunday morning, your family day with me. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before uh, you drive off to the lake in that Corvette with that trailer and that boat powered by an L72 engine? One thing I tell all my customers and, and anybody that's modifying, changing, doing anything to vehicles or toys is Don't ever back down on the quality of the work, the quality of the parts, price of the parts. Every time the word budget comes out, there's nothing but remorse. And when somebody ends up spending the money to do it the right way, none of my customers ever complain about that money except the day they write the check. 
from there on right. out, it, it smiles all the way around. Just never look back. But all the people that go halfway and still spend quite a bit of money, there's nothing but complaints. So spend Absolutely. the money up front. The pain of writing that check will be long gone versus the enjoyment of the years versus the other way around. So great advice. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and WFO Concepts? Well, first off, you could look at our website, which is www.wfoconcepts.com. And we also have an Instagram page that's WFO Concepts. We have Instagram TV. We have an eBay store. We do have a YouTube channel, so if you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, there's lots of cool videos, burnouts and jumps and racing and everything else. So any of those avenues, you can get a hold of us. You can also just come up to Auburn and stop by the shop. I love giving tours of the shop. Absolutely. What does WFO stand for? I was waiting for you to ask that question. (laughs) Well, there it is. Well, you know, uh, back in the late 70s uh, in dirt bike racing, there was FMF, which stands for Fast MRFer. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, are you allowed to swear on this show? No, I'd rather you not. We try to keep yeah. it family oriented here. <laughs> so, so, you're going to have to uh, give me code like you just did. <laughs> yeah. So, as long uh, when I started my business, my, I remember my cousins and, and other people in the dirt bike world had WFO, which was wide F and open. And I started my business and WFO <laughs> kind of went away and FMF grew up as a, as a motorcycle brand. And so I said, you know what? I, I like to pedal on the right. I like to go fast. I ride dirt bikes. I had hot rods. We're going to be called WFO Concepts. And it doesn't really stand for anything, but it's WFO Concepts. And when a, when a customer asks asks us, and I have to do the clean version, it's uh, welding and fabricating for off-road. <laughs> there you go. The family version. That's the family version. Wide, fast, and open. How about that? There you go. That'll work. There you go. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything on Trevor's show notes page on the Cars website. Just go to CarsYet.com, type in Trevor Huskins, H-U-I-S-K-E-N-S, and you'll find that there. Trevor, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise. Congratulations on what you've created and built there. Absolutely fantastic. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. There you go. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.